I'm Heidi. I'm Heather. And we're sisters. This is the H&H Show. Hey friends, welcome back to the H&H Show. We're really glad you've tuned in today because we have a special episode that we're excited to give to you today. First of all, I want to welcome my co-host and my sister, Heather Taves. Yep. Hi. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. And in studio with us, we yep. have one of our best friends, both of us, mm-hmm. one of our best friends. Um, he is also our brother. He, he is. is our little brother. Younger brother. I, I mean, he's <laughs> always going to be our baby brother. Let's be real. Let's be real. He's number five. Yes. Five of seven. Um, and we get to do so much life together, which yeah. is such a, a huge joy. Um, so without any further ado, I want to welcome to the H&H show, Isaac Bennett. Thank you. I am very happy to be here. I do have to qualify something really quick, though. You guys said one of your best friends, and I'm glad you said one of, because my two-year-old nephew, Atlas, last night, when asked at dinner, who was his best friend? His parents were present, by the way. He said, friendo, which yes. is me. So if, if I'm his best friend, then he is definitely my best friend. That's fair. We'll all give you that. Yes. Yes. We would all want Atlas to say we were his yeah. best friend. Yeah. 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 Life made. The other night, um, my 14-year-old son was mowing for said nephew's father, parents, <laughs> and he wanted to go out and watch him mow. And so he did, and I took him out, and but it was on a busy road, and so he wanted to go over and see Benny. And I said, no, you can't go out. That's too dangerous. The cars are dangerous. And he said, but I love Benny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Benny would be my hero if I was two years old right now, too. So Yeah. We could probably do a whole episode just on our adoration of Atlas. 100% we could. So yeah. we, we probably should move on. He's now. like a superhero in my house. So <laughs> Probably. Sorry to derail this. No. no it's good. good. Atlas is never a derailment. <laughs> um, okay. So Isaac, we have podcasted you on this show before. And we always love connecting with people that are in our circle. You know, you sometimes connect with people that are you're acquainted with or friends with or have um, a close proximity to, but to get to podcast someone that's in your close knit direct circle is always a privilege and it's exciting. I think Heather and I know you so well, but our listeners don't necessarily. So, um, we are excited to have you back on the show, and it's with a very specific purpose. Um, we're going to ask you to open up and talk about some huge dreams that have been brewing in your heart for a really long time, like for decades, mm-hmm. and kind of the fulfillment of many of those dreams, and it's right now in this season. Um, so before we jump into that, remind our listeners, because they haven't heard you for a few years now, remind them who you are, what your life entails, tell us about your wife, all the things. Sure. Um, Isaac Bennett, I just turned 34 last week. I'm married to the lovely Blake Bennett, who's actually behind the camera right now. We're uh, recording this live actually for our new venture. So um, I think this will be the first episode of the H&H Hour that's recorded via video. Is that correct? We, we well, tried that once. We it tried was an once. epic <laughs> fail. It's the second <laughs> one. But we did get some of our best photos ever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There was some eye rolling and I looked really perturbed in the episode, which was funny because I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, 34. Um, I have been in manufacturing my entire career and really until last Friday. Uh, I was the vice president of sales for Morton Industries, a, a local company that makes manufacturing components for Caterpillar and other companies. So um, I've done that my entire career. I've been in sales. Um uh, very entrepreneurial with Blake. We've started several businesses and have been active uh, real estate and other investors as well. 
uh, for a really long time. Um, I love baseball. I love my nieces and nephews. And I don't really have time for too much else. That's about it. Except coming to dinner at our houses. You do have time for that. My nieces and nephews are here. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, to clarify, Blake is a chick. And she is still a chick. Yes. My, my children are always astonished when we meet a man named Blake. And they want to <laughs> know why a man would be named Blake. It is very confusing. Um, I, I like the fact that she has commandeered the name Blake. Uh, and... and you know, now it's a, it's a feminine name. I love it. Yeah. They just cannot fathom why a man would ever be named Blake now, which I love. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, Isaac, we are, I love the fact that you just said as of last Friday, because truly this is hot off the presses. This hot is happening right now. That's right. Um, tell us, tell us what you're doing. So Blake and I have started a brand company called You Are, and our tagline is a people brand. So our website is also a people brand. Um, and I think from the outside, it'll probably look like we're uh, actually starting four different businesses. Uh, but the reality is, is we've already been doing the majority of this. We're just wrapping a brand around it. So um, you are as consisted of five agencies and uh, they are, you are well, which is focused on health and wellness. Samantha Walters, Blake's sister is the agency director of you are well, you are home, which is in partnership with eXp Realty. Blake is the director of uh, UR Home. She's been a realtor for about three years now. There is UR Secure, which is an exciting new product that we're just thrilled to be the dealers of in the Midwest. Isaac Schaefer, our brother-in-law, is the agency director for UR Secure in partnership with Intrusion. There is UR Abundant, which I am the agency director of. UR Abundant will focus on alternative asset investing, bringing individual investors together to invest in assets that they might not normally invest in. It's mm. sort of everything but Wall Street type of idea. Mm -hmm. um, Wall Street is specifically excluded from this, um, <laughs> bringing them to do uh, different deals that they wouldn't do themselves, larger or just things they wouldn't think about. Mm -hmm. And then finally, and the most important one is you are good. And you are good mm -hmm. as a philanthropic agency of where we will be donating a percentage of our net income to philanthropic uh, charitable causes that, that are near and dear to our hearts. Wow. Love that. I, that's really cool. Tell us a little bit about, before we get into maybe some more of the specifics of what you're doing, go back a little bit and tell us how did you get to this point? And is it just something, we know it's not something that just happened overnight. So this took a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of planning, a lot of foundation work. Can you go back a little bit and tell, tell us about that? Definitely can. It's a, It's really a long story. I'll try and condense it as much as possible, but from a very early age, I, I knew that um, I had desire to work for myself, um, which I didn't really find out until later in life that I'm not particularly entrepreneurial. I'm a more of an artist or a creative. I, I have ideas all the time, mm. um, but I'm not necessarily a risk taker per se. I don't like getting on roller coasters. I don't like to lose money. I don't necessarily like the idea of risk. Mm. What I found out later in life is that Blake is the definition of an entrepreneur. She, mm. Risk doesn't bother her at all. She doesn't mind failing. She's totally okay with uh, you know, getting down to the felt and starting over. That's a poker reference. Sorry for that. But <laughs> she's totally okay with that type of thing, which I think makes us a good team. And what that leaves out is the managerial aspect. And we need talented managers around us, people who make great CEOs, dot mm -hmm. I's, cross T's, are mm -hmm. good with processes and systems. So um, if you kind of fast forward, we've done many entrepreneurial things throughout both my life and then our married life as well. Um, but it lacked 
uh, a certain uh, continuity to it. So we needed a way to bring together all of the things that we do and not just the physical things that we do, but also some of the um, mental or psychological uh, side of it as well that I really felt like was was lacking in our world. Um, so about three years ago, I actually came up with this term, you are, because I felt like it was a very empowering term. Mm -hmm. If you go talk to your children and you're going to lift them up or laud them for something, what are you going to say? You're going mm -hmm. to say, you are beautiful. You are great. You are talented. Mm -hmm. You know, you are handsome, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. I've said it a thousand times to Crosley and Wilder, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, something of that nature. So the idea here was that we were focusing on the individual. We were mm. looking at the health of the individual from many different ways, financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. et cetera, and saying, how do we um, really make that a reality? And that's how UR was really born. Mm. Funny story, I, I came up with this and was a little afraid to, to tell Blake. Blake can be somewhat responsive at times <laughs> no. with my ideas. <laughs> and... I, I brought it up. I waited until we were literally sitting in Belize on the ocean side at a beautiful restaurant to tell her, thinking, <laughs> yes. this cannot go wrong. Totally true story, by the way. <laughs> this cannot go wrong. I'm going to tell her about you are. You know, I'd had it in my mind maybe for a few weeks at that point. And I said, Blake, I think I've got it. I think I've got the brand that can wrap everything together. And it's you are. And she was sitting there looking at me and she, I could tell immediately. She hated it. <laughs> I was just so confident that I had it. And she was like, no. So um, I don't know how long it really took her to come around to the idea. A few of more days in Belize. It was a few more months at least. <laughs> and probably more like a year that I had to sell this concept to her. But eventually we came around and it became ours, not just mm. mine. And um, I, I think what came out of it with these separate agencies are all reflections of a certain part of our life or our journey um, or our passion really uh, that are exemplified in each of these agencies. That's so cool. Um, okay. So I want to talk about some of the practical side of how this can help our listeners right now. Um, because I know a lot of our people tuning in are curious or they know you and Blake and they're thinking, how could we support them? How could we help, um, support their business and help them get off the ground. And because we have such good people around us and people really do want to help and serve. Um, so I was just thinking on a practical perspective, it's if someone's getting ready to buy or list a house, Blake can handle that for them. Blake can take care of that for them. Um, I was laughing that a year ago, Blake found us our dream home and we're like put for many, many, many more years which for Blake is a bummer because we used to like to move a lot. <laughs> so she did too well, huh? We would buy and sell and buy and sell, and now we're staying. So <laughs> sorry about that, Blake. Um, yeah. But I think for our listeners, if you are looking to buy a house um, in our area, it's Blake would be a great person to represent you. And I can say that with confidence because we have done realty work with Blake and we've firsthand dealt with her. So um, what are some of the other practical ways, Isaac, that our people can come alongside you guys to help this be a success right now, like right out of the gate. Yeah, I think there are a number of things there. And I just want to highlight Blake for a second in that um, the real estate buying process can be stressful. It can be difficult. It can be time consuming and all these other things. I don't think you'll find somebody that'll have more fun with it than Blake. 
So hopefully she can help take that process from something that can be a bit of drudgery into something that'll be exciting and fulfilling and often hilarious. So uh, (laughs) just a little pitch for her. And then I also want to just talk about eXp for a moment because eXp is the fastest growing brokerage in North America. It's a cloud-based brokerage and it is head and shoulders in my uh, opinion. It is head and shoulders better than anything else out there. So if you are interested in realty or you are a realtor currently, um, you really should give an honest look at eXp and Blake would be happy to talk with you about that as well. So um, sales pitch over for eXp, but it's something I'm very passionate about. Well, but pause there a second because I think that could be helpful to somebody. Yeah, it could. If, because correct me if I'm wrong, Blake can add people to her team. Absolutely. Correct? Yeah. So they could come alongside working with Blake in Realty right now. There's two, there's two different ways. One, they could join the UR Home team. There's no question that that would be an opportunity. And we have talked to a few people about that. But beyond that, anybody who comes into eXp, it is set up as a multi-level marketing. Now, a lot of people have a negative connotation about that. But the truth is, if you're going to build your own business, multi-level marketing is the single best way to do it. Mm-hmm. This just The product here just happens to be realty services. Mm. So in this case, if you come in, you're always going to come in. And then anybody else that you may tell about it, everyone in realty tells other people about their brokerage. Right. In this case, they actually pay you for anyone that you tell about it up to seven levels deep. So there's an incredibly powerful, um, really uh, long-term income plan there simply from telling your friends about your brokerage. Yeah, It's incredibly, incredibly attractive. Mm-hmm. EXP is also the only revenue-sharing brokerage in the United States. Other ones share their profit, but EXP shares their revenue in the form of stock. So um, there are just some fantastic advantages about it. And I think it, it really is something that uh, an existing realtor may be very interested in if they wanted to talk to Blake about it. So yeah, that's uh, that's certainly something that they should consider. Very cool. And her info will be on the show notes. So you can feel free to reach out to Blake through that specifically. Yeah, awesome. Beyond that, I think that um, one of the immediate terms ways that um, we feel like we can really make an impact and or folks can help us as well with this launch is uh, are you our secure business? So we are partnered with Intrusion. Uh, Intrusion is a small, currently small cybersecurity company that has a revolutionary new product called Shield. And it's revolutionary because they have a data repository that is 8 billion IP addresses strong. Does that really mean anything in context to anyone? Not really. But when you consider that the next largest database is in the hundreds of thousands, you know, you're, you're talking a thousand times the size for their database. Why is that good? You put AI on top of that, and that means that their false positive rate is 99.999% accurate, where Mm -hmm. the competition is around 70% accurate. So um, it eliminates the need for IT people to be going through and checking false positives all day long. Long story short, it's a revolutionary product. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And really, this is something that every business in America needs. So cybersecurity uh, fraud and um, warfare is going to cost the United States $6 trillion with a T dollars this year. Wow. To put that number in perspective, the entire GDP of the United States is around $20 trillion. Mm. That means 30% of it is lost to cyber uh, warfare. It is modern-day warfare. Yeah. And um, we believe that this product is your best chance at neutralizing that factor. So I think if, if there are business owners out there or maybe IT professionals or you may... Uh, may know business owners or IT professionals that might be interested in this product, you know, a referral would just be incredibly appreciated from our, our standpoint, just a warm lead or something of that nature would be, would be fantastic. So I think that's probably the, the most applicable way that, um, you know, folks could help us. But I, I really also want to focus on the fact that this business exists to 
support entrepreneurs, hmm. to support putting a spark in people's mind, turning lights and fires back on in people's minds and giving them an opportunity and a platform and encouragement to uh, promote entrepreneurship and promote taking risks in this fact, in this way. So I want to go back to that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk to you about we are secure for just a moment. So this is for businesses of any size, correct? Yeah. So we're starting with, there are some things about this that are just almost too good to be true. So we're starting with businesses that are 100 seats or 100 employees, 100 people with access to the network and higher. And there's a good reason for that. It's not that they're excluding smaller companies. It's that they have built the hardware size from the largest to the smallest. Okay. And intrusion actually subsidizes the cost of the hardware. So there's no upfront cost to uh, a business. You actually can have a free 30-day trial. Hmm. And um, from there, it's just pay by month. So okay. per employee, it's very affordable. So the wonderful thing about that is, is that there's really no risk to try it. And mm-hmm. you can watch it clean up your network in real time as it goes. Now, they are coming out with a product for smaller businesses from that very soon. It'll be a, a smaller piece of hardware, okay. still subsidized, of course, but um, you know, certainly they need to make it worth their time on the, on the size of the hardware. Their goal, Intrusion's goal and vision, though, is to be in every household in America within a few years. Wow. So, so not just businesses, but homes as absolutely. well. Absolutely. And homes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. we're not there yet, but, uh, but it's not far away either. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So if you are involved in business, you have relationships with people who own businesses, you need to talk to them about mm-hmm. this. You know, this is something where it's so often word of mouth that is the best way for us to find the right products. You know, yeah. I mean, how, how often, Heidi, I'm like, hey, you got to try this. Or, you know, a friend says, All the I time. found this this item. You got to try it. That's the best way to do it. So that's what needs to happen right now is we mm-hmm. need to have people who know business owners say, you got to listen to this podcast. You got to check this out. You got to go to this website yeah. um, and get involved that way. Yeah. It might also be important to recognize, and you guys might snicker at this, but I'm like a skeptic's skeptic. You know, I'm skeptical of things just by nature. Uh, I'm not easy to impress, especially with technology. Uh, And this is something that compelled me so deeply in the product that I was a shareholder for a long time, but it caused me to pick up the phone and call the CEO and say, hey, I build sales teams. This is what I do. I want to sell your product. And so um, I I think it's, you can probably hear the conviction in my voice, but I am convinced that this is a product that every business in America needs. Um, so yeah, all I say is keep an open mind to it and, um, you know, ask us for a free trial. And you worked really hard to be the business that got to be the partner for this company. It's not as if this just fell right into your lap. Yes. And I, I need to thank intrusion for the opportunity because they're taking a chance on people that don't have much it experience. Um, I certainly have sales experience, but, um, we, you know, I got in front of the CEO and we had a nice long conversation about what that might look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jack Blunt, the CEO, is the former CIO of the United States of America. President Obama called him personally and asked him to be the first CIO. Jack came out of retirement to do that. Um, so it gives you an idea of the of the credibility of the people that are involved yeah. with this. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, so still a, a, a relatively small company, but uh, I should mention that just this week they signed Kimberly Clark, the global manufactured goods dealer. Um, yeah tens of billions in revenue and 46,000 employees. They just signed them with Intrusion's product this week. So that one's a lot of credibility to it as well. And I think we'll start seeing those uh, sort of announcements every day. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's go back to some of the 
earlier conversation that we were having about how this got started. And one of the things that I love about this is that you guys, yes, you took a risk to do this. You were doing a lot of these things and then you you took a risk. You both had jobs outside of these other ventures that Absolutely. you had, that yeah. you were doing. These Successful were, these were jobs, kind yeah. of like side gigs, right? For a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, certainly I was the vice president of sales for Morton Industries. I am still involved with Morton Industries just on a part-time basis, um, which was phenomenal. And I've been incredibly blessed to be uh, surrounded by great companies in my career. Um, and Blake was a, a realtor for a, a local realtor group as well. So no doubt we are are stepping out of those. And I think that for me was the hardest thing, mm-hmm. um, was feeling like I was letting people down in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately that came down to calling and mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. want to be outside of what I felt like I was being called to do. That's not a comfortable place to be in. So Yeah. And that's what I want to get to is mm-hmm. so many people, I think, get stuck in the thing that they're doing, even mm-hmm. though they're not passionate about it, even though they're not called to it because it pays the bills and they feel like they don't have any other options. And I love what you guys are representing here is saying like, we're willing to take a risk and step out to do the thing that we feel like we're called to. And I really believe if more people did that, we would have a happier world. Mm -hmm. You know, we would have people that felt more fulfilled in what they were doing because Mm -hmm. they would wake up every morning not feeling like they're just running on the treadmill, you know, doing the grind thing, but they would wake up going, I have purpose and I'm doing something. And I know, I know so many people just in my own circle that are stuck. They feel stuck in their nine to five or in whatever their current life looks like. And what would you say to that person? Because I know this isn't an overnight transition for you guys, but what would you say to them where they really want to start to to take those steps to being able to say, I'm fulfilling my call? Boy, there's a lot there, and I'm going to try and touch on it as well as I can. Um, I'm really convicted by this idea of inertia because inertia has two meanings. One of them means something that is already going, you know, tends to stay in motion Mm -hmm. and stay moving. It also can be something that it's very hard to get started. So it's almost opposite in what it means. And it means both things. Mm -hmm. So effectively, most people have inertia in the grind and it breaks my heart. I've been there and it breaks my heart that most people view their life or their, their job as a grind because ultimately it should be about purpose and it should be about impact and it should be about making a difference for other people. Um, So I think the challenge is is stopping the inertia that's moving and then overcoming the inertia, creating new moving inertia from stopped, right? So that's really a challenge. So how do you do that? How do you start overcoming that? One tiny little step at a time. You have to do that. That's starting something new, creating new inertia. And um, I would say that aspiration is where it starts. I think that people tend to try to motivate themselves, um, which may last a little while, but not really very long. Um, It really takes aspiration because inspiration will only last a few minutes. Motivation will last a few hours. Aspiration can last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I would really challenge people to, if you want to spark something in your life that is not a grind, that that lights up your creativity and lights up the excitement in your life, find something that you aspire to. Mm-hmm. What do you aspire to do? And then 
don't make excuses until you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make excuses, but overcome them. Mm-hmm. I make yeah. excuses in my head every 10 minutes yeah. mm-hmm. or more. Yeah. But you have to be able to overcome that to, to start making a difference. Clearly lay out what your aspiration is and then lay out what the one thing you need to do today or this week is to start making a step towards that. That one thing might be as simple as saying, um, I'm going to pick up the phone and call this person I haven't talked to since college that I know is doing a cool thing. Mm, yeah. Something as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. What's the one thing you have to do to start some inertia in the right direction? That's so good. I love what you said earlier is that you realized you were not necessarily an entrepreneur. You were an artist. Mm. And I think sometimes part of what holds us back is that we haven't truly identified who we are. That's good. Um, yeah. So you are an artist. <laughs> yes, got it. I got it. I got it. See what I did there? Um, but so many people, I don't think, can say, I am this or I am that. And I think that that's, a, that that's almost where it has to start, too, is this self-reflective posture where we say, what is it that I actually want to do? Who is it that I'm actually called to be? And when you can begin to identify that also, that helps with that forward motion. It creates that aspiration. Yes. That's correct. So yes. I, I think that that's the heart behind you are is that everybody has an agency behind them. Mm-hmm. It's just, what is it? Mm, that's yeah. good. So it is, you are fill in the blank. Yeah. And we have chosen agencies that are, are fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. but our aspiration longer term is to have several dozen mm-hmm. you are's which is in partnership with other people that have different ones. Maybe you are creative right. or you are talent or you are beauty or mm-hmm. who knows what it might right. be, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it did take me 33 years of my life to realize that I was a, a creative. I was an artist. Um, and, I, and I think that was a profound mental shift for me because I'm not particularly artistic. I can't draw or write. Um, I'm not terribly musically inclined. Um you do write, though, well, quite well. Me, I write well. I uh, don't have good penmanship. I'll put it that way. You know oh, what okay. I'm saying? Okay. Like, I don't okay. have traditional art, artistic skills. Sure. But I've always been an ideas person. I've always mm. been somebody that could come up with interesting stories or ideas um, in whatever realm. And mm-hmm. I realized that that is what, what a creative or an artist does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that was really transformational for me to be okay with that and say, no, I'm not really an entrepreneur or a manager. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a creative. And I think so often we do that with ourselves too, where we say, well, I'm not an artist. We put art or whatever it may be in a box yeah. because we say, well, this is, this is how the world or this is how culture identifies art. And I don't really fit in that. And so then we kind of walk away from it when we're really – you do fit into that. You do fit into that artist world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see this in my husband because he's very artistic. He's very creative. And, but he, he didn't realize that until yeah. a few years ago. And his is more with words and how he sees things and being able speaking. to speaking and being able to put, you know, something that he sees on a sign in, into written words that impact people really deeply. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's where we have to be willing to think outside of what culture says and, and go, okay, maybe this is actually who I am. Absolutely great point. And it takes a lot of self-reflection and it takes turning off the news. It takes turning off other voices in your life. It takes mm-hmm. turning off the idea that you need to impress somebody else. Yeah. And, um, that's the fear of man. Mm-hmm. And yes. the fear of man is something that's pervasive in our society and in each one of us every day. But when you let that go, you can be who you are. I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up as well from your earlier question. You have to do things in life that scare you. Yeah. If you are not leaning into something that terrifies you, that keeps you up at night, that does that, you're probably not making the impact that you could be making. And I can tell you this idea has kept us up 
it keeps you up to quit your job. Mm -hmm. It keeps you up to stop having a consistent source of revenue. Um, but if you're not doing that, you probably feel stale or stagnant in an area of your life. I'm just yeah. guessing that's where I've been. And uh, I, I think it's worth thinking about things that scare you and then leaning into them and, and finding the courage, digging deep, staring into the abyss, digging deep and saying, no, I'm, I'm going to lean into that rather than give into it. That's so good. I've had multiple conversations even recently with people and I'll ask the question, you know, you're in this hard place in your life. Okay. What are, what are your dreams? And almost all of the time, the answer is, I have no idea. Yeah. People don't know how to dream anymore. People have forgotten to keep their dreams at the forefront of their mind or forgotten, as we've spoken about, to even identify what their dreams are. So was there like a light bulb moment in your life where you went, wait a minute, I'm maybe not pursuing my dream right now, or maybe I'm on the path to get there. But was there a time when it clicked for you and you went, this is my dream. This is what I'm going to pursue. Or was it a very gradual thing where you kind of had to fight to figure out that dream? It was gradual. And I think that ultimately, um, if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, I had become very complacent and secure in my, uh, in my paycheck. Mm -hmm. And I had become addicted to, uh, the idea of security. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think we grew up in a sort of mentality that said money was scarce or opportunity was scarce. You should probably take um, the safe route. And frankly, I think most of the world's systems and institutions are designed um, mm -hmm. to make you take the safe route, take the well-worn path, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I knew from a pretty early age that I was averse to that and I wanted to take a different route. Um, but I think the overriding mentality from the way I grew up was be secure, be safe, be conservative, all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I had to overcome that. And I was asked to give up my security in those things to make the impact that I want to make. Yeah. I think one thing that was very clarifying for me too is I've always been a, a goal setter and set goals. And there's a lot of different people that talk about setting goals. Not everybody has to do it, you know, one, three, five lifetime. But what I really realized is that the bigger your goals are, the more simple that they become. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just to be extremely uh, open and transparent, which is something we're trying to be in this company, is I'd like to own a professional sports team. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to um, be a part of a group, uh, a philanthropic group that provided weatherworthy housing for every uh, person in Belize, you know, which is an impoverished country that mm -hmm. we're very close to. Mm -hmm. So, um, those are very clear and obvious goals. Mm -hmm. They're very hard to attain. Mm -hmm. So you have to break that down into smaller bite-sized pieces and say, how do we get there? However, it gets clearer the longer you take, take steps, not cloudier. Mm -hmm. They become more obvious and more, uh, more easily describable goals in, in that time. So mm -hmm. I think over time I, I learned that um, my security had to go. I had to go forge a new path that was not worn and deal with everything that that, that comes with that humble beginnings. Um, and then I had to remember what my aspirations were. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to share a personal story with you. And if we need to edit this out, we can, cause I don't know if this is public yet. I think it is. I think I read it on your website, but, uh, my son loves farming. He's nine and he's so passionate about it. And we don't have anyone in our family that is a farmer. So it's not as if he was born into the ability to be a farmer. And 
quite some time ago, I said to him, you know, buddy, if that's really what God's putting on your heart, you're just going to need to pray about it and pray about God opening that opportunity. And I am not joking you about 24 hours later after telling him that you out of the blue mentioned to me that you are pursuing investment opportunities through UR to help support up and coming farmers and farming in a larger capacity. And the thing that it struck in me was one, this incredible awe that God is so for our heart's desires. And oftentimes our heart's desires might not be only about us. It might be linking other people's ambitions that are generations ahead of us and the things that they're doing right now in order to help create a space for our dreams. And, you know, Crosley's nine. So I don't know what that's going to look like when he's a young adult and ready to be pursuing a career. But the thing that struck me was that it reminded me that God was already working on the plan for him, whether it comes through you are or whether it comes through a totally different source, because God cares about his heart's desires. And it, it literally brought me to tears because I just realized that, man, we're not doing this parenting gig alone. You know, God is working on the hearts of other people to help us. And God is being so in the details. Um, is that something you can talk about more or is that, <laughs> is that too big of a question? We make the rules up as we go. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll talk about it. It's a still nascent idea that uh, I'm working on with a couple of partners. Um, it's called farm zero. And the story you just told me about Crosley, that's not, not a story I'd heard before. I right. knew he was interested in farming. I didn't know that he looked at it as a potential uh, passion career. And I think many farmers are passionate about it. And mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm so excited about this idea. But yes, uh, you are Abundant Partnership. Um, we want to democratize farm ground ownership. Farm ground is, uh, for my money, it is the hardest asset to acquire. Mm-hmm. And it's also the most durable asset that you can own over a period of time, uh, meaning it's inflation resistant, it's debasement resistant. Um, it tends to still be there. There are stories from Europe where, um, you know, legacy farm ground owners were actually uh, extricated from their homes and generally their countries. And then after the war came back even decades later and were able to reestablish their ownership of the farm. Makes it an incredibly anti-fragile, durable asset, right? Mm. The problem is, is no one can own it. You know, in central Illinois, a good piece of land goes for ten to $15,000 an acre. And generally, they're sold in 80-plus acre tracks. So you can do the math. We're talking 800000 to $1.2 million as an entry point. Right. Who, who can do that? Right. Virtually nobody. Um, you have to put 35 to 40% down at least. That means you have to come up with a half a million dollars to play the game. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody can do that. The majority of farm ground is passed through heirs, and many times those heirs aren't even really interested in farming. They're simply gaining an inheritance and they don't know what to do with it. Maybe they lease it out. It's just kind of a thing. It causes a lot of family strife through lineage planning. It's a huge issue. We've seen it in our own family, extended family can be a major problem. Um, And then uh, it tends to have only the biggest players that vacuum up all the ground. I'm going to tell you something that really disgusts me and you can think what you want of the man, but the largest farm ground owner in the United States is Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. So this tells you a few things. First of all, got a guy like Bill Gates that is uh, dominating buying all the farm ground. This is someone who sells software for a living, suddenly going and buying the farm ground. That's a tell that tells you what you need to do. And second of all, you have the wealthiest person in America that is owning all of this farm ground. 
It's a major problem. Yes. Mm -hmm. So our solution to this is a company that we're forming called Farm Zero. And Farm Zero aims to democratize the buying process by tokenizing real asset ownership. So what we are doing is we are bringing together like-minded investors, people who are interested in this idea, to create a fund. We're, uh, our first series will be $30 million that we're going to raise to buy approximately 3,000 uh, acres of very high-quality farm ground, organic, by the way. Oh, good. We're partnered with uh, Stewart Family Farms, which is the premier organic farmer in Illinois, uh, as, our, as our farming partner. Derek is also a GP on the project, Derek Stewart. Um, so... What this will look like is we will have this fund. We will start with these investors and have this fund. And by the time this comes to market on the T0 blockchain, our aim is between 5 and $10 per token. Hmm. Okay, so suddenly uh, nine-year-old Crosley could take uh, the money he made from mowing the yard and he could literally own a physical piece of farm ground wow. with $10. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's never been done before. This is a an idea that has never been done with farming, with a farm fund. And um, we can offer real ownership of farm ground. So um, it does a lot of things, but I think that this is an idea. This is one type of thing that we want to do through Abundant to have a mutually good deal. Obviously, this is financially could be wonderful for everybody involved because what happens when you take a very hard to enter asset and then make it very easy to enter, the value goes up, Mm -hmm. right? Because more people can own it. Um, It's mutually good from a financial standpoint, but it's also good because we can spark lights in young children even Mm -hmm. that says are you interested in farming well you can actually go own some and then we can take you around and show you portions of the phone farms you own how much does that make it real to them something they earned something they bought something that they own yeah and it's also technologically enabled right so they're going to understand it better than i will anyway to start so (laughs) um, yeah that's farm zero it's a brand new idea that we are literally just finishing our pitch deck on right now but uh, we hope to have to market by this fall that's incredible he will be your first crowdsource. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, ultimately it's, it's, and it's, it's funny that you say crowdsource because it, it does feel kind of like that, but ultimately what it is is him just simply staking a claim to yeah. that ground and you can buy as much or as little as you want. It creates infinite liquidity, That's amazing. meaning that a legacy farm ground owner could have liquidity and sell a little small portion if he wanted at a time could gift it to grandchildren. He could do whatever he or she could do whatever they wanted with it. It's kind of like a modern day wild, wild west, right? Where they would actually go out and like stake their, like stand on their, the ground Mm -hmm. and be like, I'm going to farm this land. I'm going to use this land for three years and then I own it. Yeah. And I think, I think what this does is it gives people a taste of being able to own it at a much younger age or a Mm -hmm. much uh, less wealthy age to give them a basis and a foundation for actually getting somewhere in the future that they may want to farm. That's incredible. It cracks me up that you mentioned the organic because he said, mom, if I'm ever a farmer, I'm going to be an organic farmer so that you'll buy my food. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. Okay. He's cornering the market. I like (laughs) it. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. Okay. As we kind of start to wrap up here, um, two questions. The first one would be this. What do you say to that person that's listening? It's like, man, I, I wish I could do it. I wish I could just take the plunge and do it. Well, what's stopping you? I mean, I think the term I wish is something you should strike from your vernacular because there's nothing holding you back other than your own limitations. I, I just think that people limit themselves so often. And this is, this is so true of me too. I've said, I wish so many times mm-hmm. or thought it, um, strike it from your vernacular and then think about how do I, mm-hmm. how do I, what do I do today? What, you know, establish your why and then figure out how do I take this next step? And, and I will say, um, 
reach out to us at UR because we're here to spark that and, and provide ideas and come up with something. Just this morning, we had a meeting with somebody who I actually shared the farming idea with, and he then immediately thought of a way. He said, well, how could I do this with my business? And how could I? And he had a very specific thing he wanted to achieve within it. And within 10 minutes of talking, we had an idea that said, this is how you could do it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, walking in, I, I don't imagine he had any, he didn't have any idea what we were doing. And then suddenly he had a vision that just went 10 years out mm. and said, wow, this could be huge. This could be incredible. Mm. So reach out to us and, and float your idea by us. And we'll, we're happy to help try and spark that, mm. turn that, hit that spark and start that fire. Okay. Last question that I have for you. She might have more. What do you feel like now in the morning when you wake up? Tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I used to, my workout routine used to be uh, at lunch and it was a great distraction from the office. I would get out, I'd go run and, and work out and it was a wonderful way to do it. Well, that's changing now. I'm getting up early in the morning. So it was a 5.30 wake up call. And um, so, yeah, I feel tired in the morning. Um, I, I've been asked many times, are you relieved? And it's not a sense of relief. I've got to be honest my, the sense of responsibility that I have has, has gone up a thousand times. So if you don't want to feel a sense of responsibility to what you're doing, stop listening to the podcast right now. Mm -hmm. Because you're, I don't feel like I've retired or I'm relieved from doing it. I feel a responsibility to the calling of mm -hmm. what is on our lives. And that's uh, almost overwhelming mm -hmm. and inspiring. Mm -hmm. And it makes you say, okay, now I understand what it's going to take to achieve some of these things that I've aspired to for my whole life. Uh, so I think that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this much. This is day four. I've yet to hit snooze. I normally hit snooze two to three times a morning. Okay. That's cool. That says something. That's good. So you are inspired. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love, you talked about the risk. Uh, you guys aren't doing this without risk in the sense that you have hired staff. Yeah. So and it's not as if you are just... This is just you and Blake that you've got to look out for. You're looking out for other families too. Terrifying. That, that's a big deal. Terrifying. Yeah. So this definitely was starting as as uh, just us, just Blake, just me. Um, and by the time we got to start date, we had five employees, five employees and counting us. So um, the people that came alongside us almost couldn't be told no in a certain sense. They felt the certain calling on their lives as well. And yeah. they all took major pay cuts to come start this thing. And um, we are incredibly blessed and fortunate that they came alongside us. It's, um, it's humbling. Uh, I think it says, yes, this is the direction you're supposed to be going in because God has brought so many of the right people into our lives already. Yeah. Um, but again, you're right. It does ramp up that sense of responsibility that we feel because it's not just, you know, a little Blake and me that we're trying to provide for anymore. It's, it's creating an experience for our employees as well. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you because I believe that you're going to see the favor of God over your life in a really massive way in this season. And I think you're going to see his provision and it's going to be in ways that far exceeds anything that you could offer as a human individual or as a couple. Um, and I believe that you're going to, it's going to continue to build your story that you get to tell people. It's going to continue to give you a platform to share of the goodness of God. You know, and I think uh, God's word talks so much about the fact that, um, we overcome the things, the enemy by the blood of Jesus and 
by our testimonies, Mm -hmm. by the things that we get to speak of what God is doing in our lives. And I love that this is going to be a story of, look at what God did. Look at all of this creative idea and framework that God gave us. And then now look what he's done through this small group of people growing and growing and growing. And so I just want to speak that over you and tell you that I believe you are going to see a really extravagant move of God on your behalf. We will, we will receive that. Absolutely. We'll receive that. And I think it's, you know, I guess I would just finish with this is if you have limiting beliefs and primarily if you tell yourselves those limiting beliefs, you will be limited by whatever you think it is. Mm, yeah. Um, so stop that negative feedback loop in your mind mm, yeah. that says, I'm not, I can't, I wish, mm-hmm. or whatever that limiting belief is, cut it off right there and throw mm. it away. Yeah. And then start thinking about limitless beliefs. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's where we hope to position ourselves in. And so we receive what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tell our listeners where they can find out more, how they can get a hold of you. A peoplebrand.com. And my email address is Isaac at a peoplebrand. I-S-A-A-C at a peoplebrand.com. Just taught my son how to spell that name in school yesterday. Can you teach the rest of the United States how to <laughs> spell it? It's his middle name. So he wanted to learn how to spell it. <laughs> Well, Isaac, I want to just close by saying that you are so brave. and You're brave. That's a good one. I know. See, you know what? I've been doing this podcast for a minute. I want to say you are humble and you are honorable. And I believe because of those characteristics, you are going to experience a lot of success in this business. Thank you so So much. Thank you for this opportunity. Deeply proud of you and deeply proud of Blake and your team. And we are cheering wildly. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Heather, that was a fun episode. Yeah, a little bit different than yes. what we normally do, but yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that we get to bring on voices that are challenging and inspiring. I mean, I was I was challenged and inspired just listening to him because I, I think that, you know, I I can definitely see how I have these aspirations, but I, I hold myself back, I limit myself. And so just that that encouragement to like say, yes, what's that one next thing that mm-hmm. I need to do? Yeah. I think though too, I mean, I'm close enough to you to know what those aspirations are you're making movements in those arenas and yeah it's just not doesn't get to be in front of people yet so you're doing the hard work but i think that's the point is so often you know isaac didn't get to the point of podcasting this today and launching a business this week right with an idea that happened last week you know it was years of prayer and and yes gaining experience you know he's been so faithful in his career to gain the experience necessary to do something like this right the same with you. You have been mm-hmm. in the avenues that you needed to do to pursue what's next. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what I love, Heidi, is I think I think there are people out there that are doing it. They just have never labeled it yeah. something or yeah. they've never wrapped it up in with some marketing. And I, yeah. I think maybe for some self-reflection in that too is say like, maybe I am doing some of this. Maybe I need to um, be a little bit more vocal about the fact that I am pursuing this calling or yeah. this dream in my life. Because I think there are... You know, I just even think about like what we're doing with our kids and homeschooling and, you know, th- that's not really something that there, it's hard to measure that, sure. the success of that, yeah. right? From year to year, yeah, your kids move on to a, a new grade and they learn how to read and they learn fractions and all of those things, but it can often feel like, well, is this success? Right. You know, and so to step back and go like, what am I doing with my life that is, mm-hmm. um, so successful and so important, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm not viewing it that way. And so That's I think good. for a stay-at-home mom or for someone who's like, but I, 
starting a company or doing this big thing is so far out of my league. I right. can't even begin to think about that because I'm just trying to keep some little toddlers alive. <laughs> like you are doing it. Yeah. You are um, cultivating and, and raising up the next generation. You know, if you're, you know, maybe you're a hairstylist, you are loving people as you're, they're sitting in your chair and you're helping them feel beautiful. And mm-hmm. so don't underestimate what you are already doing. That's also, really it's the premise of our show, right? Mm-hmm. Ordinary is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And I think the ordinary things that every single one of us do are extraordinary and could fit into a big picture thing like Isaac and Blake are doing. Yeah, it's so good. Well, friends, thanks for joining us. Um, we are excited that you got to hear Isaac's vision and Isaac's dream. I think that we need to be talking about each other's great, joyful moments more often. We need to be talking about our dreams and helping cheer each other on so that those dreams don't lay dead on the ground and not pursued. Yes. So God has good plans and great big dreams for all of us. And I think just to ask him, Jesus, what do you have for me? What Mm -hmm. should I be pursuing today? Mm -hmm. Is there a dream that I've let go or is there a dream I'm supposed to experience? Mm -hmm. Show that to me and then give me the steps to make that happen. Yeah. That's so good. So we're glad that you were here. We will chat to you next time. 